my podcast pals, we are back. Welcome to House of Carbs, a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House, and so excited by the unbelievable response to the premiere episode. We could not wait to run it back, so we're back up today, Monday, July the 10th, already out with two episodes of House of Carbs. Please, friends, keep the comments and suggestions for the show coming. You can hit me on the social media. I am at House from DC on Twitter and Instagram. Great belly sourcing from all of you. Great pictures, great suggestions, great recommendations for guests and topics. We really appreciate it. Today's show, outstanding. We begin with food news with Juliet Littman, and then we have on the podfather himself, Bill Simmons who comes on and tells us a little bit about his experience as an East Coast person who's relocated to the lovely land of California. 15 years he's been there now, telling us what his dietary experience has been. And then we do a last meal on earth, and he runs through some unbelievable Italian dishes because his mother uh, is Italian. And, and of course, we, we cover off mom's great dishes. So we're very excited. Off we go. All right now, the managing editor at The Ringer, host of the Bachelor Party and Jam Sessions podcast, the one and only Juliet Littman here to talk food news on House of Carbs. <laughs> Juliet, before we get started, I'm not sure if you heard it uh, live or maybe you just heard about it, but I called you Juliet Lewis. You did? Uh, at the end of my last appearance on the BS podcast with Bill Simmons. I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, God. Well, I, I I offered then and I'll offer to you. I mean, I figured I had to come clean immediately. And I'm not going to offer up any excuses. All I'm going to say is it was at the very end of our, it was at the onset of NBA free agency. <laughs> and so we were talking a lot of names and a lot of, you know, numbers. And we got to the end of the the session, and Simmons is like, you know, how, let's we're promoting House of Carbs House. Let's talk a little. And I started doing the litany. And when I said Juliet, the thing that came out of my mouth was Juliet Lewis. Is that a compliment? I I mean, it it obviously is. And by the way, um, I wish I could say that's the last time. <laughs> it's 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 not going to be the last time. I am you know closer to fifty than forty these days, so. Uh, I am definitely going to make that mistake again. But look, I'm prepared to make reparations. Uh, <laughs> tell me what you are drinking this summer. What is your drink of choice this fine 2017 summer? I only drink one thing. It's called the Juliet. It's a vodka soda <laughs> with a splash of pineapple. I do not like Tito's vodka. Do not give me Tito's. And I know this is like... This is a big point of contention with my boss, Bill Simmons, but I do not like Tito's. So <laughs> do not well, do not send that what, to me. Is there a vodka of choice? Kettle. I'm I'm just all kettle. Why See, this is the thing. You and I, this was just meant to be. I mean, again, you know, hat tip to, to Jacoby, but you and I were always meant to get together, <laughs> Juliet. My drink, when I walk into a place and it's time to 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 sit down and get into the relaxing. Uh, portion of the evening, I order a Kettle One Martini up with olives. Yeah, Kettle's great. That's my go-to. Um, I actually really don't understand this Tito's thing. Like, I, I don't know how it caught on. It's like it's it's like the greatest trick in in the spirits 
uh, industry history because it's not good. It's really syrupy. I don't I don't usually get that hungover except when I have Tito's. It makes me feel disgusting. I really hate it. Well, I don't have a strong opinion about Tito's. And by the <laughs> way, um, they could be a sponsor of House of Cards. We I still, know. Should we cut this? We're still Whoops. free agents. We don't have. I mean, Food News could have a sponsor. Uh, the House Recommends could Here's have a sponsor. Thing. You know, making Here's a recommendation thing, each podcast. Just, why does vodka have to be gluten free? If you're drinking, like, why are you even thinking about that? I don't know. I just don't. I yeah. just don't get it. Well, it's not like vodka in and of itself is such a heavy calorie thing, right. you know. So it's like we have to cut out an, an additional sort of aspect of it. I'm not. I'm with you. I don't. It doesn't do anything for me personally, but I'm not against it either. Yeah. Anyway, that was not that was not one of my prepared topics, but I'm glad you asked. I love talking about the Juliet vodka soda, splash of pineapple, never Tito's. God, that's spectacular. I'm gonna can I if I order that, if I walk into a bar and say I'd like the Juliet, will they will they give it to me or do I have to describe the ingredients? They'll probably be confused, but I would like for you to do that because let's spread this, make it go national. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're it. That's it. We're spreading the Juliet. Uh and and the people will love that. The House of Carbs um friends and listeners will love every time we give out another little recipe. I get a lot of traffic. People love the recipes. So I know. there we go. There's a drink recipe. For, for all the good people. Yeah, exactly. Juliet, we have some things to talk about this week. There's been Whew. some news. Yes, we do. The first the first one is something I'm, I I feel as strongly as I feel about Tito's Vodka. Uh, <laughs> Rooney Mara, um, American Scion, daughter of both the Mara and Rooney family, so she's tied to both the Steelers and the Giants, is in a new movie again, uh, starring with Casey Affleck and a ghost story. And she was on a press tour. And there's it's it's like a movie about grief and her grief. And there's a scene in which she eats an entire pie. And here's a quote from Rooney Mara from an LA Times article. It was certainly something that popped out at me when I read it. That was one of the things that I was really excited to do. So it doesn't surprise me that it's something that jumps out of the movie. It was such a unique way of showing grief. We've never seen anything like that before. And I'd actually never had pie before. That was my first and last pie. She goes on to say, I just don't really have a sweet tooth, and I was a really, really strange, picky child. Something about pie always grossed me out, and I just never tried it before. And this came along, and I tried making them switch it to something else, but David really wanted it to be a pie, so we did pie. So, so first of all. Yeah, let's break this yeah. down. <laughs> I felt kind of speechless. Like, I could not <laughs> intervene while you were reading there because my, I, I've, you know, obviously we prepared. I read the story ahead of time. I have I have show notes here because we come prepared on House yeah, of Carbs. Yeah, we do it right. But but just hearing it again, it my jaw drops. I'm I'm speechless. Part of what confuses me right away aren't the Maras an East Coast family? Yes, they are. I mean, not that not that pie necessarily is an East Coast thing, but it's it's omnipresent. It's yeah. all up and down the whole East Coast, and maybe that's it's it's omnipresent in all of the United States of America. How can you avoid it? I don't How is know. pie avoidable? I don't know. Like, have you ever been to Thanksgiving? Have you ever celebrated the Fourth of July? Like, most American-focused holidays involve pie. Like, it is. It's it's as American as apple pie. Like, that's a phrase for a reason. And I think of Ameris as being like a quintessential American family. You started off American Scion. Yeah, exactly. Rooney Mara. I exactly. mean, but but pie. Listen, the th- here's one thing that I really object to. 
my first and last pie, so that's it for her for pies? <laughs> I know. How that makes it, no sense. It's really weird. Also, I'm a cake girl, which I full disclosure, I prefer cake over pie and I'll, I'll ride for it all day. But pie is good. It's not bad. There's and there's so many variations. Like even if you ha- I think she has like a chocolate pie or like a chocolate mousse pie in the movie. That might be wrong. But anyway, like there's so many variations. Like, okay, you don't like you don't like a really sweet pie. How about some key lime then? How about trying that? Or you really love fruit? Like cherry pie, blueberry pie, apple pie, or I don't know, there's just so many variations. So you can't just have one. That's like it's it's just preposterous. Well, what what is insane is does it apply to all things that come in a crust? Does that mean she's out on quiche? Ooh. Does that mean that she's out on uh you know, like like beef patties, Jamaican beef patties. I, I love like, a is Jamaican it, beef patty. Ugh, delicious. So do I. I'll, I'll I'll eat ten of them. Don't think that I won't. But what what is what are we? What is the principal basis principal basis for her objection to it? I don't know. She, I, she didn't really articulate it. I think it's a. I think it's like some kind of weird family thing because Kate Mara, her sister, uh, said on Twitter she also had never had pie. So like the Maras just don't eat pie. It's really weird. It makes me really rethink. Well, look, I already had plenty of reasons to hate the New York Giants. That's just one more. I mean, obviously, they're not they're not doing everything they can to to um, treat their children and the extended family to all that America has to offer. It's really so, uh, it's really strange. I think what we're kind of under under uh, rating here is that when you're as rich as Kate and Rooney Mara, you don't have a normal life. So. You know, maybe pie is just like not something that billionaires eat. I don't know. I, I don't know anyone else who I could ask about this, but I'm going to find out because it might just be like a super rich person thing. Like maybe Warren I, Buffett has also never had pie, although I would find that I, very hard to believe. He's from Omaha. No, there's no way. He's in Omaha, Nebraska. There's no <laughs> effing way he's not eating pie. He's probably eating pie right now. He loves pie. Of, we, of course he does. Warren Buffett must love pie. It's just so weird. He's a great I, American. Did, did you like the Mara sisters? Like, did you have an opinion about them? Does it affect my opinion of them as super credible, very deep, broad, uh, you know, capable of taking on all kinds of roles, actresses? Yes, it does, because it gives me it, it shows you they haven't had the life experience <laughs> that I expect of somebody to, to fill, you know, uh, um, every kind of, of role that might be out there. Now, to her credit, to Rooney's credit, she did jump in on the pie when she was asked. So she, she didn't in, you know, she try and draw out. a line there. But yeah. right, you can't you can't be back out. It's it's just, it's. I'm gonna always have that in the back of my mind when I see any Mara on a movie. These these pieless sisters. I don't know what to make of it. It's real. It's very strange. It's really weird. I'm I'm never gonna get over it. Kim Rooney, Kate, get it together. Speaking of not being able to get it uh, over things, we have this fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna make a terrible pun about fireworks on Fourth of July. <laughs> This fantastic tweet from from Josh Williams. By the way, shout out Josh Williams. Not only does he follow you on Twitter, I found out he follows me on Twitter as well. So obviously, nice. We love we love Josh Williams at JW. He must have been an early Twitter adopter because that's a really good handle at JW. Awesome handle. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, So he tweeted out uh, last week, um, either the day before the fourth or on the fourth a picture of him with a Chipotle order where he had asked the folks behind the counter to separate out the ingredients because um, he'd ordered tacos and he was going to have to get in his car and drive for some time, I think like 45 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, 45. Right? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I'm I'm telling the story. This is this is your news. You tell the story. Why <laughs> yeah. am I telling the story? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I was how like, dare oh, cool. I? Yeah. How come dare on, I? House. 
How rude. Uh, anyway, he is a man who lives in Northern California, and he uh, was going home. He'd gone to like a show with his son, and his wife was at home doing work, so they picked up food, and he, they chose Chipotle. And he ordered chicken tacos, which I guess is his family favorite, and instead of having them assembled because he was in fear that the tortillas would get too soggy by the time they got home, he had them totally deconstructed. So he got all the ingredients, and they were put in like individual packaging. And then when he got home, he made the tacos himself. He tweeted out um, a picture of all of the contents in the brown paper bag and said something to the effect of, um, here, let me just, let me read the, t- the tweet verbatim. Stand by. He said, yeah. "Starting started asking the folks at Chipotle to individually package my ingredients so I can assemble it all at home. Am I weird or brilliant? The internet had a lot of thoughts, and it was neither weird nor brilliant. It was more like asshole. A lot of people were mad at him for A, like using all of these, uh, all the packaging, which is bad for the environment, and B, making the Chipotle staff put in a lot more work because they had to like package everything up for him opposed to doing it the regular way. And people were really mad. The thing that you pointed out is that he tweeted this on July 2nd, and then the, um, the Twitter response really erupted on July 4th. I guess everyone was on Twitter waiting for Gordon Hayward's announcements. They also had time to <laughs> time to weigh in on this. Even J.K. Rowling, the creator of Harry Potter, favorited a tweet about it. And some like just like completely random person, um, I, I looked into it, had like has sixty thousand retweets after weighing in on this Chipotle scandal. Like there was a lot of response, and people were very very mad at him. Um, he seemed to be taking it pretty well. I actually shout out to him. I, I think he kind of liked liked this, and he's keeping it going. But it's just kind of like fast food hacks. Anything that's like really basic, like there's like a whole IKEA hack world. Fast food hacks. People just everyone has an opinion because everyone's like part of the scene, and this just really took well, off. Well, this, yeah, and it makes sense. Um, it is really it's at the at a, at its guts a life hack because yes. <laughs> what he's really trying to conquer is. You know, he, he he's confronted with the dilemma of wanting the delicious Chipotle food, wanting it in in a delicious format that I happen to subscribe to my own self. I love the the chicken uh, tacos in the tortilla. I'm, I prefer the corn tortilla to the flour tortilla. But that's just me. You do, but he, huh. he, he I do. I they're I'm a shocked. little thicker. I like. I think it's kind of. I like this. The that they there's a little bit of substance to them. Um, Interesting. I like never choose corn empty. tortilla over flour. Yeah. Ever. Well, it doesn't. It feels like that. That it's not. Um, I wouldn't have a corn tortilla wrapper as a burrito wrapper, but for the purposes yeah. of my tacos, you know, Juliet, I'm a double meat kind of fellow. I need the corn tortilla to hold all the meat. That's that's the basic uh, message there. But it's the case that if you put all the ingredients, including the salsa, into the tortilla. And then travel anything longer than ten minutes, it does have uh, the capacity for breaking down. It's true. It's true. Uh, I often get breakfast tacos on the way to work, and they're they're soggy. Like there's no doubt about it. They're soggy, and it's only like a ten minute ride, let alone forty five. So the the thing to me with 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 brother Williams, and he had a very <laughs> proper kind of sense of of humor about it. It seemed, and he had some some good thoughtful responses to folks in terms of um, his his interaction. With the Chipotle staff and and you know the impact, the potential impact on the environment, uh, I think the takeaway for me is it's all in how you ask and it's all situational, yeah. right? So like you can't go in and have a line of fifty behind you like like will occasionally occur at at Chipotle rush hour, um, and and ask the staff to run through that whole trick for you 
So you have situational awareness. When you walk in, big line, short line, what's going on behind me? How can I, you know, is it proper to ask for this in these circumstances? Another thing that he, you know, you can uh, build some comity, build a little bit of goodwill <laughs> with, the, with the, the, the staff person. You make a joke of it. You say, look, if I'm sorry for being a pain in the ass. I mean, there's a whole way to, of doing this. Again, this goes to the life hack point, right? right. You want to do something a little extraordinary. You want something a little bit out of the ordinary. There's a way to approach it to get people to buy into your way of doing things. And I think Josh might might uh, have have actually undertaken um, this approach, notwithstanding uh, the vitriol that the Twitter gave back to him. I know. I think that he was just sort of in a bad spot for this um, because of, of his sort of like his attitude, which I consider to be very Northern Californian, just sort of like ponderous on Twitter, where I just feel like Twitter... This is completely based on like a fantasy in my head, but because Twitter like started in Northern California, like people use it like kind of differently than in other places, and I feel like he was very like earnest in in the message he was delivering, and it really backfired on him. <laughs> it sure did. Yeah, boy, did it ever. I, I support well, him though. I have my own personal hacks at Chipotle. I mean, everyone has their Chipotle preferences. Is the only is the other thing. Like everyone has a Chipotle opinion. Like just find me someone who doesn't because it's 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 so beloved even it ha- if it has fallen on hard times in the last like year and a half it's still like something people really care about well what's your hack let me hear it well i just i get a salad with, uh-huh. with uh, i go salad a little bit of rice like it's basically a bowl but instead of so much rice you really take out a lot of it and replace it with lettuce which is like not really a hack because it's still on the menu but everyone just has like the way they, they personalize things also they have like a secret menu do you know about the chipotle secret menu yes yes i've had a couple quesadillas at yeah chipotle, believe me i mean like isn't that even ruder like making them go off menu like that's like probably more annoying than having to package things up well that goes right to the heart of the point i was making about brother williams I sometimes feel bad when I go in and there's a line behind me when I order three or four things because they have to press the tortillas, they have to assemble the taco yeah. shells, they have to pull the salad together. And I, but I'll do that. Um, I will tell you what I've been doing over the last like uh, eight to 10 months. I'm ordering online and giving them a full 35 minutes or so to mm. assemble pre, pre-arrival so that they can build it into their workflow. That feels to me like the most uh, accommodating and sensible way to do one of my my big orders. Um, I, 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 it's, I don't think I've gone to a Chipotle and stood in line. It's been ages. Uh, I love mobile ordering, the Starbucks mobile app. I, I won't go to Starbucks without ordering in advance. Like the, the places that do it well, it's such a huge benefit to the experience there. I, I love it. I'm right there with you. I'm. I wish this would work for every aspect of, of my life. I wish a trip to the DMV could be mobile ordered. I wish uh, probably you know, will be my, one day. Yeah, probably will be one day. Exactly. All right. Look, Juliet. We have time for one more Whew. offering here. We've been blowing through the food news today. By the way, should we come up with a new name? You know what? We we'll ne- come up with a new name when it's sponsored. How about that? Oh, great idea. Yeah. When we get a sponsor, we'll change the name. I hope I hope Tito sponsors it. <laughs> They're never going to. They're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> okay, we got one more. I'm going to go uh, topical for this one because yeah. Game of yeah. Thrones starts in a couple of days. Oh yes, it does. And capitalizing on that uh, event is KFC. KFC has a new uh, product on their menu, which is called the Rice Box, and they got Hodor from Game of Thrones to be like the pitch person for it. 
and they have a commercial where all these people are asking for chicken and fries, chicken and fries, and he keeps repeating it, repeating it, and he ultimately says chicken, chicken rice. He goes from somehow goes from chicken and fries to chicken rice, which is not as seamless as it may seem. And maybe it doesn't seem seamless because it's not. And then, you know, it's like a play on the spoiler alert, the hold the door, Hodor thing. And as I was watching this commercial, not only was I thinking about how chicken, uh, chicken and fries is nothing like a rice box. But I was also just wondering, like, what's the price for Hodor? Like, because I don't know his real name, but he's so famous. Like, what's the price for KFC to get this guy? Like, are we talking millions or are we talking hundreds of thousands? So I have a few thoughts, uh, not surprising. In the first place, you wonder what could come next for the Ho- for Hodor, yeah. right? If this is, you worry that he might be typecast. Is, is he Hodor for life or yeah, he can he be. be somebody else in addition to Hodor? No, he's, he's Hodor forever. I think that's true. Um, and and as far as I'm concerned, I'm rooting for another 30 or 40 very clever takes on on this and just the way that KFC has, has conceived. I have an endless appetite for all Hodor uh, moments, every kind of uh, tense moment that you might need, you know, some kind of a, a, a revelatory uh, stand-up, uh, courageous moment. Um, that could be a Hodor moment, and I hope he's available for all of them. His entire career is basically going to be like standing in mobs of people yelling at him and somehow surviving. Like even if it means he kind he kind of dies, which is what happened on the show, and that's what happens in this commercial too. Also, it's a commercial specifically for the UK, and I think that we, yeah, I think that we might not understand how much more famous all of the um, UK UK and Irish actors are in their home countries than they are here. Because, like, they're really famous here, but I, for some reason they still feel kind of, like, niche. Like, they're not, like, Tom Cruise or Bradley Cooper famous, but they are obviously on the most popular show. But I think in their home countries they're even a much bigger deal. And it was, you know, specifically targeted at, at, at the UK and Ireland, which which makes sense. There's just fewer people there. Easier to stand out. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. The only thing that I uh, am concerned with: can we get chicken and fries and chicken and rice here in the in the U.S.? I don't Are think those offerings here. Yeah, no, I don't think it's. Yeah, they yet. need to get over here. I know, but do you think, do you go to KFC and want something that has involved with rice if it's not like a southern rice and beans kind of thing? Because I don't. Actually, that's a great point. I'm not interested at all. I want extra crispy bucket fried chicken and mashed potatoes with yeah. gravy. That's all I want. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will say I'm not a big KFC girl, but I, I'm not against it. But I, I just wouldn't be like, let's go to KFC and get a rice box. No, that's not what that's I'm looking point. for. Not that's what, a great point. Not what I want, but it's okay. You know, they do things differently over there. One of the best things about international travel is trying fast food in other countries. Well, on that note, Juliet Littman, not Juliet Lewis, thank you so much <laughs> thank for you, another scintillating mo- uh, review of, of the news in food, episode two in the books. And we're going to do another one of these next week, episode three. And we already have a couple great topics cooking up right now. We do indeed. Thanks so yeah. much, House. Have a great week. Thanks, Juliet. Love you. All right. That was this week's Food News with Juliet Littman, and we are going to get to the pod father in just a second. But first, a message from our good friends at Spotify. Did you know that you can listen to House of Carbs and other shows from the Ringer family, perhaps like the Shekhaus, on Spotify? Yes, the streaming service that you know and love for music is also fully loaded with podcasts 
find us in the podcast section within the browse tab when you're using Spotify on mobile or just by searching for House of Carbs. While you're there, click to follow us to have our new episodes delivered right into your Spotify library. Head to spotify.com backslash podcast. That is spotify.com backslash podcast. All right, on the line. We couldn't get very far into these episodes of House of Carbs Carbs. without the podfather himself, Bill Simmons. What is happening, my man? What an honor. I feel like this was your destiny in life to have a food podcast. I remember telling you in 1989 as we were at the All You Can Eat at Papa Gino's and I watched you have seven or eight um, giant bowls of gross pasta with gross tomato sauce that all gave us like MSG headaches after. And I was like, someday there's going to be something called a podcast and you will have (laughs) one and you will talk about food and that's your destiny in life. And now here we are. Yeah. The funny thing is I'm sure my parents are disappointed. You know, I went to law school. I got a law degree. Yeah. I got certifications. I made, uh, you know, appearances in court, but really this is my highest calling. Just so the we listeners, yeah, so the listeners know, our relationship started on basketball and food, and really nothing else, because we lived on the same hall. Fresh, my freshman year in college, your sophomore year, and the two things that both of us liked to do was were to play basketball and to then eat food after we played basketball, and that's where our friendship blossomed. You were listening to music that I didn't really totally understand what the hell was going on, like Nirvana and. Uh, what was the what was the other one we always made fun Fugazi of? Fugazi was Fugazi big. Fugazi was the big one, yeah. And we were like, we 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 don't know what's going on with this dude, but uh, all I knew is you could run a nice high screen and you could eat more than anyone I've ever seen in my life. So now here we are. It's kind of a perfect segue. Yesterday on the NBA podcast you did with Chris Ryan, you began by describing to Chris how on the Fourth of July you enjoyed a couple hot dogs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it, that it left you unsettled. Now, it wasn't clear whether you had an unsettled feeling because of the hot dogs themselves or because of what was going on with prima donna Gordon Hayward. By the <laughs> way, congrats on the Celts for getting prima donna Gordon Hayward. You're welcome. <laughs> or thank you. <laughs> thank you and you're welcome. <laughs> but But tell me, was it the hot dogs or was it Gordon Hayward? So I, because I've tried to eat a little bit healthier, much to your chagrin, I've noticed that when um, when I eat poorly, I just feel bad the next day. My body feels bad. My body doesn't understand what happened. Um, on 4th of July, I had two hot dogs. I had just an incredible amount of baked beans because those are two of my oh. weaknesses. I had, yeah. uh, you know, coleslaw. I, I was just picking like sweets and all that stuff. And I feel like your stomach is an aquarium and... It's okay to have all the different types of, of fish swimming around in the aquarium, but once they start banging into each other, that's when you get trouble. And that's what the 4th of July is for everybody's stomach. It's all of these things that don't make sense in the aquarium together, but as long as they don't bump into each other, it's fine. But that's what happens is they bump into each other, and that's when you feel sick. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm, I had uh, hot dogs. I went to the baseball game. I took my kid to the Nats game. And of course, had to have hot dogs, had to have sausage. And then it felt like the most uh, proper way to celebrate the 4th of July 
in the evening before the fireworks was with, of course, a 16-piece Popeye's fried chicken. <laughs> so that's how I celebrated <laughs> the 4th of July. Um, I will tell but you But what goes yes, well with a hot yesterday. dog, though? What goes well with a hot dog? Like, if, you, if you're creating a world where I'm going to have two hot dogs, but I don't want to feel disgusting the next day. What are the things oh. I like? I love sauerkraut with my hot dog. My dream hot dog is sauerkraut. And then that, not the cheap mustard, but I like the nice brown, expensive. They spend a little extra time yeah, on the mustard. Grainy, mustard. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a nice. Well, look. Night, that's the only time I'll eat a bun is with a hot dog. Are you a potato salad guy? I am. I But I like, so, I like potato. To me, potato salad and coleslaw are a package deal. I can't have one and not oh. the other. I need both of them together. I like mixing them. I like I like actually like taking my fork and mixing them together into a potato slaw combo is my favorite. Oh, that's 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 pretty interesting. I'll have to think about that. Uh, I, I it feels like you it might like it. be too mayonnaise-y. You, you <laughs> right. have to have a slaw that's not heavy with mayonnaise if that's the direction you're going to go in. Right. But I think both of those are great accompaniments for the hot dog, especially the potato salad. It, it does take down some of the um the fattiness of of the meat uh and you can you know salt up now there, there's no way you're getting around too much sodium on the fourth of july right so i like to so i put a little salt on the potato salad but i think that could be a nice uh, uh accompaniment i'm also I, i'm a hero at any fourth of july or any party because i'm the guy who eat the burned hot dog to me the burn the more burned the better i like it nice and dark and crispy is, is my favorite. I don't like like the barely they grab the hot dog because they had to put more hot dogs on the grill and it's not totally all the way cooked through yet. That's my worst nightmare hot dog. I like like the the nice burnt one and I like to put the brown mustard on it and the sauerkraut. I I actually think hot dogs are underrated. I, the people oh, in they're... my life who love hot dogs, like my wife, her favorite food item is a hot dog and she'll go to baseball games with me just to eat hot dogs. And it's one of those things like it's actually a shame that hot dogs are so unhealthy because I think if they were a little healthier with all the knowledge we have now, I, I feel like people would even have more hot dogs. I, I think people would eat well, hot dogs all the time. To do, there's a way to do a healthy hot dog, but why bother? The best hot dog is a, is a great big giant jumbo beef hot dog. There are chicken dogs and turkey dogs and even you They're know, all fine. meatless dogs, but don't yeah. bother with any of that. Well, the, the thing is, they're not even that healthy. You get like a turkey dog or, or even you go and you buy and you go like you go. One of the things we should talk about is just the incredible grocery stores here. So they'll, and they'll have all the special fancy, you know, we made these hot dogs. The, the, the pigs weren't allowed to even look at anything unhealthy and they do it that way. And they charge crazy rates for them. They're still they still have a lot of calories. They still have a lot of fat. Well, I want to. I want to quickly give a vigorous cosign to hot dogs as one of the very best foods on the planet. Who was it on the during the last meal on Earth series? Um, you had a, a chef that came on and and he described his perfect last meal it was as a, hot dog as a couple hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. I also think the thing with hot dogs is they're almost like women or great vacations or whatever. Like you can remember the great ones you've had and. With hot dogs, it's <laughs> a really bad segue, but I think we should keep it. Don't edit that out. Uh, with hot dogs, you can really remember the great ones. Like there was this this place on Venice Boulevard in L.A. that was right. There's this whole furniture section of of Venice Boulevard between like Fairfax and La Cienega 
where it's just like you go and you buy furniture. But for some reason, there was this unbelievable hot dog truck there. And if we were anywhere near that area, my wife would almost grab the steering wheel and steer us across traffic and, you know, cause car accidents to get us near this hot dog truck. I went to Dodger Stadium with my son and we were lucky enough to be in the Dodger Club, which is the underneath place. Um, and just randomly had one of the best hot dogs I've ever had in my life. It was like one of those nice, big, fat, thick ones. And it was, what, what do yeah. they call it? It was like a nice, big, fat beef one. Nice and long. Like you really had to like bite into it. And it was so good. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, I, I just don't understand why there aren't more great hot dogs. But it wasn't a Dodger dog. It, it wasn't a Dodger dog. It was a, no. a, a fancy version. I had a Dodger dog too. I did. Like, and how you, is, how? I mean, it hurts me to say this because I grew up, you know, Red Sox fan, Fenway Park, Fenway Frank. That was our, that was our hot dog, the Fenway Frank. Yeah. It's, it's, I've had the, a couple. Yeah. The Dodger dog is just superior. It's just better. So I haven't been, and I was just uh, exchanging notes with my uh, golf podcast uh, partner, Jeff Shackelford, on the Shackles, (laughs) about how I need to come out and and attend my first Dodgers game. I'm expecting the Dodgers and the Nationals to be in the National League uh, playoffs once again this season. I'm flying out for that, and and I told him, be prepared for for what I do to the Dodger dogs. The over-under is six. That's what I'm starting with. Over under six on Dodger dogs. I I just have one thing to say. Well, I have two things to say. One are my feelings are hurt. Um, I've lived here for 15 years. You've never wanted to go to a Dodgers game with me and eat Dodger dogs. And then second, that you would go have a Dodger dog for the first time and be with Jeff Shackelford, who like, let's be (laughs) honest, you've known him for like a year and a half. I've known you for 29 years that it'd be like, oh, you know who I should have a Dodger dog with? Jeff Shackelford. That just hurts my feelings. I might want to hang up. Look, this is easy. He's a real Dodgers fan. He grew up a Dodgers no, fan. It's in his it. blood. No, he go, hates have the Nationals right dog now the way Jeff that I hate the Dodgers. No, that's great. Huh? Good. Enjoy your Dodger dog. It's awesome. You do that well, with look, him. We've touched on this a couple of times. Uh, you moved to California in 2003. No, so you've uh, been out there. 2002. November 2002. 2002. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... You you have been out there for you know what amounts to nearly a full generation, yeah. and in that time, uh, you touched on this a little bit. Our food experience, our our sort of national food experience, has changed, changed quite a bit, changed in terms of options, but mainly changed in terms of overall um, attention to healthy food, healthfulness. Yes, and you had two kids out there in L.A. Um, what have you observed as, as a California eater? Cause I know you as an East coast eater. You right. and I got to be friends, you know, eating up in Massachusetts. Tell me about your experience as a California eater. One of the big differences with the West coast is people don't have giant lunches here. I mean, I'm sure some do, but it's not lunch. You might have a bigger dinner, but lunch is more of a healthy take care of your body type of experience. And what the first thing I noticed when I moved out here in 2002, I lived, I had to get corporate housing for a month because I was working for Jimmy's show. And I just randomly got this place that my wife found, this apartment in the Grove, which you've been to. The Grove had this place called Erewhon, which was this organic grocery store that had all of, you know, a lot of vegan stuff, 
uh, a lot of like gluten-free stuff and then a lot of like super healthy beef and juice drinks and healthy soups and it's just super healthy. And I'm like, what the hell is this place? Like I'm used to like stop and shop and you know, the places from back East. I'm like, what, what is this place? And I'm going through and I'm getting food there and it's healthier. And I'm just like, I was so out of my element. But the one thing I noticed was that the place was loaded with good looking women and women that were in shape. And I, and I might've even called you and talked to you about it. I was like, I've never seen anything in my life like this grocery store. It's like, I, I feel like it, it's, it's almost like a reality show where they're filming me to see what my reactions are to the people in this grocery store. It was like all actresses, models, wannabe actresses, all eating this healthy stuff. So I kind of filed that away. I thought that's, that's fascinating to me that not only is this a whole little industry here, but it's being consumed by a certain group of people. And then you saw as, as I was here over the course of the decade, because LA is healthy people, you know, Southern California hiking, you're outdoors a lot. Um, you have to kind of make a concerted effort to exercise. And I could see the food stuff start shifting. And it was like, like, you know, there's a ton of sushi, which was here from the get go, but that seemed to take off. But then, a lot of like the healthier fast food options, um, like Astro Burger, places like that, where you could get like lettuce wrap burgers and things I'd, I'd never even heard of. But then as it went along and it went along, now you're in the decade now where you see like a lot of these, the juice places, the place I was telling, I took you in that one time creation that has like yeah. juices, smoothies. It's got, I took my nephew Kyle, who's producing this podcast in there. And I was like, grab something for lunch. And he's just looking at like these soy paper sandwiches. And he was horrified. I'm like, what about this Chinese chicken wrap? He's like, oh, I could eat that. He didn't even know what to do. You know, um, he's an East Coast kid, right? He's East Coast. He he doesn't understand this. But um, but what we've seen are it's specialty stuff. It's stuff like, you know, here's a really good, awesome taco place. And you just go there and you get tacos and they're well done or whatever. Versus like the really well done juice place and the and the restaurants and you see like the gluten free options and the things like that. The gluten free thing has been the game changer, I think, this decade, don't you? So it's interesting. Um, I I don't know what what to attribute it to in terms of it becoming kind of a food zeitgeist. Yeah, but it it showed up on the scene kind of all of a sudden. And I had people in my life that I didn't know suffered from celiac disease. Like that's the real true. Right. Uh, I I think, you know, uh, beginning of, of the whole thing was folks, you know, recognizing that they suffered from a, a, a debilitating disease that affected their, their lives and they needed to get gluten out. And then all of a sudden there was a collective consciousness moment. It feels like I don't know whether this is true or not. I'm just explaining, describing how it had arrived on my plate, so to speak. Right. Um, our friend, our friend, all of a sudden there was this collective Remember? moment. Our, our friend ride home yeah, was right, just exactly. literally getting physically ill. And could not figure it out. And doctors are running tests and they don't know what's wrong with him. And it turned out he had celiacs. And the moment he changed his diet, he felt better. For me, one of the things that happened out here that I'm sure it happens in the East Coast now, but I'd never heard of it until I moved out here were these cleanses that people do where oh. they'll go. <laughs> yeah. They'll do go like ahead. a three day or a five day cleanse. And all they're doing, all they're doing is eating all natural stuff. Um, like salads, um, juice drinks, 
and you just stay away from basically all meats, all cheeses, all dairy. Um, one of the killers is caffeine because um, anytime you do any of these cleanses, they're like, yeah, you got to give up caffeine. So I've the first time when I changed my diet was August 2011. And I just, my wife was doing a cleanse. I didn't feel that good. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe I'll try this cleanse thing for five days. She's like, you got to give up coffee. And I'm like, that's the one thing I'll never give up. I'll give up my family before I give up coffee. Like, honestly, if people were like, (laughs) coffee or your entire family, I'd be like, can I have time to think about this? So I do the cleanse. The first two days, I just feel horrible. Like, I feel horrible. Like, my brain's not working. Like, I, I, I feel like I have a concussion. And I can't move. My brain's not working. Third day, I felt like this weird clarity and my brain felt better. And I'm like, wow, there's something to this. By Thursday, my brain's humming. And by Friday, I felt great. And from that moment on, I did this modified version of like, I got rid of bread. Um, I stopped. I'm half Italian like you. I I would eat a ton of pasta. I had a ton of bread, mac and cheese. Um, ruffles, potato chips, just garbage. And I was like, well, what'll happen? How productive will I be if I get rid of a lot of the garbage and just try to eat a little bit healthier? And eventually I ended up with um, this weird diet I have where basically I don't eat meat for lunch. I don't eat bread ever. Um, I do gluten-free pizza and gluten-free pasta instead of real pizza and real pasta. But for, for the most part, it's a modified diet. My whole thing with diets is if... You do what's best for you. I don't think you read a book and just follow the instructions. Like whatever works for you that makes you happy, that's the diet you should do. So that's that's kind of where I landed. I know much to your chagrin. You know, you don't like well, you don't look, like how that I'm relatively healthy. I have three things to say. Yeah. I, I think you took it to to sort of the California extreme in terms of avoiding the gluten and all the rest of it. Both of us, when we hit our forties and approached our mid forties, I I I too uh, and and I'm I'm willing to go ahead and confess this. Pay attention to what I eat at lunchtime. Yes. Try not to eat much in the way of bread. Never eat um, a big lunch um, unless well, you know it's well, kind of a, a business second, thing. We, or I know that the rest of the day. Because we go found ahead. out we learned the same lesson that when we had a giant lunch, we were incapacitated for the next two hours, and that wasn't something that right. happened to me when I was 24. But as you get older, you realize like. Yeah, maybe it's a bad idea to have a steak sandwich and a baked potato with cheese. And I wonder why I'm in a coma at three in the afternoon. Like you got to, I remember when I was living in Boston, I would go, I lived in Charlestown, I would go to Sorelli's Pizza, which I'd taken you many times. Remember they had those sandwiches with the Cotswold cheese? And uh, Oh my God. Yeah. And they would have these, these pizza slices and they would bake these cheesy pizza slices that were in giant squares and just they had so much tomato sauce in it and like the oil was on top of it and it was so good. And my big debate was always whether I wanted to get one or two. And if you get two, it was almost like <laughs> eating a full pizza. Half the time I would get two. Then I would go back to my apartment and try to write a column. Like if I did that now, I, you'd have to like wheel me out of Sorelli's. So I think as you get older, you have to change your habits yeah. a little bit. I'm sorry I interrupted well, you. What I, were your I, next I two things? things. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to. One of the one of the things I want to say is thank you because every time I come out, you move off of this this California um, light style. I do. And we go ahead and indulge. You, you many times I've come out, and and you, your mom uh, 
has prepared a wonderful pasta meal with the meatballs and the sausages. Yes. And I, I always appreciate it. Um, and we, you're always uh, sensitive to making sure that we get some, some you know, bar- California barbecue, which is kind of a, you know, yes. an interesting thing. We might explore a little bit on House of Cards. Mm. But, you know, you go ahead and walk me through it a little bit. The other thing I want to say is, you know, in terms of this cleanse and how that was a, re- a, a revelatory moment for you, I'm kind of surprised you are the one who turned me on to ass tea back in right. like the mid nineties when you were living in Chucktown. <laughs> yeah. In Chinatown. The they, had, they had tea That's... that had pictures of ballerinas on it. And yeah. anytime, anytime we wanted to cleanse, we'd do the ass tea. And I, I remember we ate all weekend and then I made you an ass tea and we didn't see you for like a day. It was, it was just destroyed your insides. But I that forgot was a, about the that ass was, tea. We were... We were ahead of our time. I yeah. mean, that was, it was still able to eat, you know, uh, East Coast style. Uh, and I honestly, we, we had a gigantic Chinese food meal. Yeah. And then at the end of it, enjoyed delicious ass tea afterwards. And you're right that it does take, you know, nearly uh, 15 hours to kind of let that run its course and for the full effect. Yes. But uh, you come out on the back end, it was kind of worth it. I mean, it was a good cost-benefit <laughs> trade as far as I was concerned. <laughs> I agree. Might have, might have ripped up our insides. But that the one thing Maybe. I found with eating that I think is instructive is to not to pick days where you take it easy. And this is something Jimmy and Sal have taken to the all-time extreme because – and when you have Jimmy on, I'm sure he'll talk about this, the, the five and two diet where they just have two days a week where they don't eat. They eat like 500 calories. They starve themselves. What? Yeah. And that's the reason why, you know, how Jimmy Jimmy looks, I, I don't want to say svelte, but he looks a lot better than he did eight years ago. And it's yeah, he, of the he looks like guy. he's in his 30s, that guy. Yeah. And I've seen him, you know, in the last year, we've been to dinner and he chows down. He, he picks his five days and he eats. And I think there's modifications with that that, that could really work. But my whole thing is I just love food. And especially like when you come and we'll go to like Yang Chow's or something and we'll just get the slipper shrimp yeah, and 40 Yang other Chow. things and things like that. Yeah. I think if if you don't treat yourself like that, you're just going to lead a sad life. You got you got to step in. You have to have the hot dog on July 4th. You have to well, you, you have to have the, the third meatball when your mom, who's 100 percent Italian, like my mom, is making meatballs like you can't. You can't dance around it. You got to own it when you do it or else you're just going to, I think, be unhappy. Well, you know, on the House of Carbs, yeah. we're all about our best eating lives. Yes. So obviously I agree with everything that you just said. Well, the thing with you, I think one of the things that makes you the perfect person to host this podcast, but also one of the great eaters, you know, I think I think history will remember you fondly as one of the great eaters of all time. You'll go... You'll eat anything, you'll eat in excess, um, but you'll enjoy it the whole time. And I think that's what makes that, that the thing with when people love eating food with you, like my friends, I remember that one time we went to NBA All-Star Weekend in LA and I had a bunch of friends here from Boston who worked for the Celtics and we all, we went to this party and then we went to Mel's Diner after and you got three different plates of things. And people didn't understand why you ordered three plates and they almost thought like you were doing it like to, as a joke or something. And then they just watched you calmly take down these three plates. And it was like, it was like an omelet. It was a patty belt. And then it was something random, like a chicken Parmesan. And you just, you just ripped through. What was the third one? 
Well, there's definitely a milkshake involved also. And there was a milkshake, The third yeah. one was a savory entree. I don't remember what it was. It yeah, might have been chicken and waffles. Or, yeah, or like a, it was like a fried chicken steak, which you've- That sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. One of the things with you, if I see a fried chicken steak with you, I know that I know the fried chicken steak is in trouble and is going to lose. <laughs> it's never a battle. I love all, all forms of chicken steaks. It's going to be chicken a first parm, round country first fried round chicken. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I think I'm trying to think of what the best meal we've ever had together was in the course of 30 years. Oh. I remember there there was this place in Worcester called Fat Dickies that we used to go and they mm-hmm. they had the all you can eat barbecue. And when you're in college, the quality of the food is never quite up there. You know, you're always like gimmick, gimmick hunting and bargain hunting and things like that. And this was just good enough. And I remember you ripping through that, but I don't remember in terms of like a, like a massive, like over the top, unforgettable giant meal. The only one I guess is in Portland when you ended up taking all your clothes off in your hotel and lying on the bathroom floor. What was that? What was that place? I needed a break from that one. That one... That one was noteworthy because I had the onset of of swine flu arriving <laughs> simultaneous with that Probably meal. Probably from the food. Um, we went and it to, was an enormous meal. We went to the best fish place in, in Portland. I can't remember the name of it. The legendary crab place. And it has a New Orleans flavor because I, ha- I ordered the etouffee and I had a spicy Bloody Mary to begin uh, the whole thing. That was what killed you was the Bloody Mary. You know, I'm glad you mentioned New Orleans because New Orleans to me is the all-time risk-reward city for food. It's delicious. <laughs> it has... It has... Uh, you know why I'm laughing. Well, it has cuisine. Well, because we did House Eats 3 there, but um, but yeah, the cuisine is... risk-reward. The cuisine is extravagant. Um, it's unlike any kind of food you can get anywhere else, in my opinion. The New Orleans food belongs to its own category and heavy sauces and a lot of fish and... Um, really decadent desserts. Everything's just decadent. Decadent is the word you'd use for New Orleans. And when you go there and if you're there too long and you combine it with like the casino and the drinks and all this other stuff, you, you're, I remember I went there with, I think you were there for, it was the Super Bowl. Um, and I wasn't the same for like a month. Like I, I felt Are like you I'd talking been about a, the 2012 Super Bowl with Cousin Sal? No, we 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 went twice because there was an All Star Weekend too. One of those. Oh yeah, I came I out as with Jacoby, and I, I just the combo of all of it. I wasn't the same. Like to me, New Orleans is if you're there for more than two days, your your body is just going to be altered. You're just not going to be the it same. Is. It, it, it's, it's it's it, it's it's like Vegas used to be. Vegas right. isn't that way anymore, but it used to be that way. We should talk. We have a couple of quick things we should hit before we do. Uh, not to hijack your podcast, but the one the one argument we've had, the biggest food argument that we've had over the years is when you're in Vegas, do you do the four hour meal or do you just eat quickly and move on to the tables? We've this is you and I, this is the hardest we've argued about anything food related, I feel like. It, it, it is a foundational argument. I obviously want to invest in the meal because the casinos are open 24 hours. There's no sh- danger of missing out on any gambling time when you're in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas now, over the last half decade, has become an extraordinary eating yes. destination, including a new restaurant by our good pal Dave Chang, right? Yep. yep. Every 
every chef worth their salt is in Vegas. So it's become a game changer for what you want out of Vegas because my whole thing is I'm in Vegas. I want to play blackjack and I can play blackjack for between 12 and 15 straight hours. Pretty, pretty consistently fairly. That's really all I want to do. And you over and over again, I've seen my friends make the mistake of we go to this dinner. It's three hours. We're done at 11. Everyone overeats. And then people kind of stumble to the tables and the karma is all off. Like, and I, you know what? You're the biggest offender. I, I'm just going to come out and say it. you're the number one offender because when I'm in Vegas, I want like, I want it to feel like a movie. I want the table to be alive and we're cracking jokes with the dealer and everybody's winning and the drinks are flying. What I don't want is like slumped over Joe House who shouldn't have had the 64 ounce ribeye, should have ordered like the 10 ounce filet. And he's just sitting at first base in a coma, which is what you've done to me five times. Well, look, I have a radically different objective and goal when I'm in Las Vegas. I'm not there for, you know, the the uh, blackjack death march to sit at the table for a dozen hours or 15 hours. In fact, the last time we went together, we had a wonderful three or four hour meal at the Nobu. Yeah. Ate all the sushi they had. Yes. Cousin Sal and I went from the Nobu to the pizza place, mm. enjoyed a slice together for dessert. That was just and for sport. And then we arrived at the Blackjack Huh? <laughs> that was just for sport, the pizza after the four hour Nobu dinner. That you're just it showing off. Yeah, you're just showing off. It was really good. It was dessert. We needed to, you know, we needed to add in a little bit of fat after all that fish. Right. And then we got to the table. We gambled for about an hour. The girl came around offering the massage. Of course, I said yes. The massage at the table, which was wonderful. But you know, I only need about three hours at the tables. I don't need fifteen hours. It's not. I'm not there. It's not an endurance contest for me. Well, maybe you should go with Jeff Shackelford, your new best friend. You could have Dodger dogs and <laughs> eat, eat, eat gamble at the tables together for one hour, and then tuck off. It'd be great. And then p- go play golf with them at seven in the morning. Just don't. I don't want to go I'm on not that doing trip. That. You and Jeff Shackelford. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not getting up early in the morning. Yeah, well, not, we're anymore. never going to agree on Vegas. I. The, the the thing that um, I don't think the two of us have ever done together that we're going to do with the Cuz this summer is the Fogo de Chao. Oh, I'm pretty sure right. we've never done that one. And that- We have not. That goes against your philosophy of the food enjoyer because that is just old school, like being in college, how much can you eat kind of thing. Yeah, the so green- I, you put take the card, you put it on green. Green means go. You never flip it over. It's always yes. You want some some delicious uh sliced uh uh you know r- ribeye? Yes. Right. Do you would you like a nice parmesan uh chicken thigh? Yes. Right. Um all right, quickly cuz I know you have to go you have other guests. Um I wanted to contribute something food related to the podcast to the people who listen to actually learn something about food since we've just been babbling. Um, as you know, you've eaten my mom's meatballs. Oh, spectacular. My mom is a hundred percent Italian. My whole, my mom's whole family are ridiculously good, uh, cookers. I, I don't like the word chef sometimes. I think chef makes it sound like it's, they just know how to cook really good food. And my mom makes a delicious chicken cacciatore, um, <gasps> unbelievable sausage and peppers, which I think That's you've what had. I've had sausage and peppers and the meatballs. Unbelievable sausage and peppers. She makes brujals, which is the single most underrated Italian 
um, food, which is basically it's steak that you put raisins and stuffing in it. You wrap it in string and then you Mm -hmm. cook it in tomato sauce. And it's one Mm -hmm. of those things that I don't understand why it's not a bigger deal at restaurants because when it's done correctly, it's like this sweet, I I can't even describe it. It's like a combination steak sandwich, um, sweet, it, it melts in your mouth. It's indescribable and it's so good. And she's great at that. But her number one thing is meatballs and her philosophy on meatballs, which I'm going to share with, um, with the listeners of House of Carbs. House of Carbs listeners. Her thing is you can't have enough bread in a meatball. Oh. And she's been saying this since I was a kid. And I love meatballs. I'll always try a meatball. I'm always there for meatballs. If somebody's making meatballs, if it's on the menu, I'm always willing to try a meatball. Any Italian place, I want to get a side of meatballs. I want to see what they do. The mistake yes. people make with meatballs over and over again and you'll notice now, you, now that it's in your head, you'll notice when you're eating them, too much meat. The more meat oh. in the meatballs, the worse the meatball is. The best meatballs are like the ones my mom make that have a ton of bread in them because the bread, two things, the bread makes them much softer. The bread, if you cook it in the sauce, which is the only way to make meatballs, you make them first and you put them in the sauce and the big bowl of sauce and you just let them like fester. Um, I like this. The, I don't think they fester. I think they they attain a, a lovely whatever whatever the hue. Whatever the delicious verb is, that's what it is. Yeah. And the bread absorbs the sauce and makes everything soft. The goal you should put your fork in a meatball and it should almost explode. It should almost fall apart. That's what you want from the perfect meatball is the combination of um, it's got a consistency and whatever, but also like it could fall into five pieces if you put your fork in it too hard. If you put your fork in a meatball and, and the fork, you could just stick the fork in and the fork stands up, they made the meatball wrong. So that's one of the things my mm. mom is very passionate about is that you can't put enough bread in meatballs. So remember that. Well, I can't wait to see Twitter with the meaty meatball corner. Whether the, I don't even know if there is a meaty meatball corner that's going to come at you. For for the for the for the bread and the meatball. Well, there. I mean, mom. listen to each their own. I, you and I both. We yeah. don't judge people if they love certain. No, the we people don't judge. Love the, whatever you love, whatever makes you happy, makes me happy. But I'm just telling you, most of the mistakes people make with meatballs are they make them too meaty. Um, all right, is it time this. for last it's meal a, on earth for me? Yes, last meal on earth, Bill Simmons. Let's hear it. Okay, it's my mom's Caesar salad. Again, my mom, incredible cook, but th- there's a tanginess, uh, a kick to it that I think is crucial. And the other thing is, now people go both ways on this. Some people like the lettuce to be kind of hard and crispy, right? Other people yeah. like it a little more soggy, like the dressing to kind of infiltrate it and make it make the lettuce. And it's almost like you could eat it with a spoon. That's Some people kinda, even will wilt it, but go ahead. Right. Yeah. That's kind of how my mom rolls with the Caesars, like oh, super softer. Yeah, she 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 believes in putting the sauce in, mixing it, letting it sit for a little bit so that it's nice and 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 it kind of ferments the right way or whatever the right verb is, um, and it's mm-hmm. got a real kick to it. But there's stuff <laughs> in the dressing that she does, so I would start with that salad. Um, All right. And it's since my last meal on earth, I would not make her do the gluten-free croutons for that. I'll just eat the croutons. I'll suck it up because I'm going to die anyway. Um, Yeah. 
I'm a huge veal parm. I love parm. You know, Parmesan is my all time weakness. And for me, all time. I'm not gluten free because I'll eat chicken Parmesan twice a week. I just love chicken Parmesan. It's my favorite, favorite food item. The veal Parmesan is the better version of the chicken Parmesan, except it's the riskier order, as you and I have discussed many times with the veal chop. Veal, right. veal is hit or miss. You can go wrong with well, veal, and it's a it's a meal ruiner, right? Yeah, you, you 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 the quality of the veal is so crucial to the success of the of that veal parm. It's the veal chop to me. It's like one out of eight times it's going to be perfect, and five out of eight times it's fine. And then you're just going to get two bad ones where you're like, "Damn it, why did I get this?" Um, I one of the keys to me with the veal, I love, and this is something my mom's great at, really pounding it so it's thin. Yeah, of course. Why you say of course, but tell all the chefs. <laughs> Why aren't they pounding the chicken and the veal? The chicken parm should always be nice and thin. You know? So I, you know, these these days with the with the interwebs and the and the YouTubes, all you see are people pounding their chicken. Good. They pound I hope the so. daylights out of it. I, I I wish it was reflected in my order sometimes. Sometimes it's just too thick and it's like, come on, man, pound my chicken for me. But uh <laughs> the nephew laughed at that one. Uh but the pounded veal. And you got to get the right veal. And now there's a whole moral dilemma on whether we should eat veal. I'm like, if you're going to draw the, if you're going to say like veal's bad to eat, but it's all right to keep slaughtering these cows. Like if you're eating meat, there's no moral dilemma at that point. You're a meat eater. Like you've got to come to grips with the fact that they, people have murdered the meat you're eating. It's just the way it goes. I'm a meat eater. Right. The veal, if it's done correctly, if it's pounded correctly, if the cheese is melted on it correctly. And by the way, I like... I like the cheese baked on it. I like to I like to have like the brown. It's almost like almost, yes. the cheese itself almost has the yes. layers on it. And then you have the yes. tomato sauce. And the key with the tomato sauce, in my opinion, it's got to be like kind of the thinner tomato sauce, not like the chunkier tomato sauce that a lot of people use. That's got like thing, you know, cut tomatoes and onions in it. I just like it's almost like a more of a brothy type of uh, type of tomato sauce. So then I would do that. I liked what Adam Rapport was talking about with the potatoes, with like cutting the skin off the potatoes and frying the cubes is one of my favorites. Mm. Um, yeah. Little bro- little broccoli, nice big broccoli clumps, because for some reason, Parmesan and broccoli go together. I don't totally explain it. And then um, there's this place in LA, this Italian place that's really good called Vernetti's. I hope I don't blow it up. But um, they have these fried polenta cakes Ooh. that- oh are really one of the best side dishes I've ever had. It's these little big square cubes of fried polenta. And they, they I don't but think they, you've taken me. They I don't think I've taken you there, but but I'm sorry, they're uh yam polenta cakes. So they taste like yams and polenta had a baby and just made like a rice crispy treat out of them almost. Eh, now I'm kinda out. <laughs> <laughs> it's your last meal, not mine. Enjoy it. I'm telling you, it's good. Uh, okay. So I would do that. And then the, my last thing, my favorite side dish, my number one side dish is the potatoes au gratin. I oh, love potatoes au gratin. I glorious, just love it. Glorious. I like the Absolutely. side. If it's done with the glass pan, the side of the potatoes au gratin, when it's like super burned and they have to like scrape the cheese off to get it. 
And it's like, should we eat this? It's dark brown. It's like, give it to me. I'll eat it. It's the best. Yeah, you eat it. Yeah. You eat it. You eat. That's the, That crunchy part is the best part of, of the au gratin. I mean, there are many best parts of the au, au gratin, but that's one of them. And then, By the way, I, I'm, I'm going to pronounce, we should tell people, I'm going to mispronounce virtually every episode, uh, a whole variety of dishes. Good. That's a, that's part of yeah. the pronunciation mispronunciation empire we're building here at the Ringer because Lord knows I've done a bunch <laughs> of them too. And for dessert, the best dessert I've had in the last five years is another place that I haven't taken you yet. But you know, now that you and Shackleford are together, maybe you'll we'll never go. You son of a um, bitch. Wolfgang's, which is the best steakhouse now in Beverly Hills, and that that championship oh. belt has flipped and flipped and flipped. And right now, in my opinion, it's Wolfgang's. They have okay. these ice cream sundae, these brownie ice cream sundaes. And, and and this is another thing I don't understand why restaurants don't do. They have the giant, long, thin sundae cups. You know those? Like the old school, like in the 1950s? I do, of course. Yes, I'm very familiar with them. So if you do this correctly and you have the ice cream on the bottom, I'm, it's, I'm sorry, it's a, it's, I think it's just a straight hot fudge sundae. I don't even know if they have the brownies in them. But they have the ice cream on the bottom. They have um, the marshmallow sauce, the whipped cream, and the hot fudge. But the hot fudge is on the top with the with the whipped cream, and that kind of melts down and becomes gooey, and then it makes the yes. ice cream kind of melty. It, it's a coating for the ice cream, almost. Yeah, and it, it 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 makes the ice cream a little more swirly and drippy, and that's where I want to be with my ice cream sundae. <laughs> Swirly and drippy. I like I like soupy with my ice cream sundae. It's delicious. And then just yeah. shoot me in the head after I finish that. That that's my last meal on earth. That's a wonderful. That's that's like a that's a healthy six thousand calorie meal you just outlined. Well, I'm gonna there. die. So what do I care? Yeah. What is your uh, what's I'm your how what's your There's house a lot of gluten. what's your house recommends for this week? Can I be involved in that? Oh yeah, I would love to to share the house recommends. I I put it out on the Twitter and the Instagram. There's this a little known, little known uh, fact about Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A aims to please, and it's not going to be a surprise that the very first house recommends uh, on on House of Carbs is going to feature Chick Fil A because we should say this does not have know. a sponsor yet, but we're ready to have a sponsor for the House recommends. Yeah, honest to God, I was a little bit um, heartbroken that at 12:01 a.m. July the 5th, there was nobody waiting in my driveway. When the House of Carbs free agency began, right. but I'm 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 over it. We'll still we'll still take on all, all comers for the the House recommends. Yeah, where was and, the Daryl Morey I mean, for the Daryl Morey for Jersey Mike's should have been should have been calling yeah, you right. at twelve oh one getting you should ready. Should have been in my house. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have called the cops on him if he was there with a sandwich. So let's call this the House recommends sponsored by nobody yet by nobody. So the 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 very first one. Chick-fil-A has a delicious breakfast. We've talked about Chick-fil-A yeah. ad, ad nauseum, you yes. and I. We, we you know, covered it in many different ways. They have a great breakfast. I personally, my single favorite item at Chick-fil-A currently is the spicy chicken sandwich. Mm. It's one of the five things I order every time I go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. The, so the spicy chicken sandwich is a lunchtime menu item, not a breakfast menu item. Okay. But if you go there as breakfast is winding up and they're still making eggs and so forth, but they're about to flip over to lunchtime, they will make you a delicious spicy chicken sandwich and put however many eggs and however much cheese what? you might like on such a thing. What? Yes. So if you go breakfast flip over, I think is at, 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 
11 o'clock on a Saturday, if you go at 1045 and order a spicy chicken sandwich and they say, well, we can't make, you know, or I say, okay, look, here's what I want. I want you to take two eggs. I want a slice of cheese. I want the spicy chicken sandwich with an egg on top, an egg on bottom, and a night the cheese will hold the, ba- the the bun together. They will do that for you at the Chick Fil A. And that has no name. I I'm not aware of it having a name. Um, I didn't I didn't see it, but it it was it was uh it, its name could be, could be delicious. That should be part part of the name. You should it should be called the Spicy House Sandwich. I mean, I, I'm, you I'm a name humble it after guy. Yourself. I don't need you invented my name it. on everything. No, you invented it. Why can't you name it after yourself? But we are going to be on the House of Carbs doing a lot of these food hacks. You know, yeah. when you go into a place and take, you know, something that that's that maybe not right there on the menu. And a lot of, um, uh, you know, fast casual and fast food these days, they're, they're all very accommodating. And there's very well-known food hacks out there. But that's one that I, I walked into. They were very lovely. I can't recommend it enough. The spice, the late morning spicy chicken with two eggs and a slice of cheese. Go get that. And thanks to the House of Carbs for that one. Hashtag food hack. That's right. Do it to it. You know who would love that? You should take him, Jeff Shackelford. After you go to the Dodger game, you should take him to Chick Fil A, or maybe before the Dodger game, you could take him get a nice chicken breakfast sandwich, and then you guys can hold hands and go to Dodger Stadium and eat hot dogs together. I hate you. I don't have anything to say. This is the most airtime Jeff Shackelford's had on the on the on the ringer. Yeah. Uh, Besides, uh, anyway, Podfather, thank you for joining me. Thank you for making the grave mistake of putting me in charge of House of Carbs. It's going to be a terrific series. We have some wonderful guests coming up, but thank you for being a guest early on here in the season. And and uh, I I appreciate you know you sharing your California approach to food as a as a as a Boston guy. I appreciate the appreciation. Thanks, House. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for the listen. Please keep up all the great belly sourcing, tremendous feedback, suggestions for topics and guests, and the incredible pictures. Please keep it up. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's stay hungry out there. Mm